everyone. Welcome inside another edition of the Adam Jones podcast presented by the Baltimore Banner. He's the former five-time All-Star. Somehow he got elected five times to the Major League Baseball All-Star game. He knows people. I'm just Jerry Coleman. Welcome into the podcast today. And episode number 25, AJ, here we are. We're going to be joined by the Banner's new outstanding baseball writer, a colleague of mine, a guy that covered you back in your day. John Mioli is just around the corner. We'll talk about the way he covered Adam his and his career and what's going on with the Orioles right now. We're also going to talk about the start of the season is too much made about 10 or 15 games in. It's just a microcosm as opposed to the NFL where it's a much shorter season. Is Adam changing his Orioles prediction already? We'll get the info on that. Plus is the NBA's image taking a hit as their long postseason is about to begin. Adam and I will weigh in on the tanking that's going on and the load management and our predictions for who's going to the finals. There may be some money on the line. But first, we bring in our featured guests. He is the Baltimore Banner's new baseball writer, but he's been covering the Orioles for a long time. He is John Mioli. Thanks for being here with us. I got to ask you now, uh, you know, I, I got a chance to see you in spring training. Uh, your impressions with these new rules, the way they've impacted things. It seems like we're watching a different brand of baseball where speed is very important. It certainly helped out the Orioles. One thing that hasn't changed is the left field wall. Adam and I will talk about that a little bit later. I don't know if players are still whining about that. But your impressions about this start that the Orioles have had, and Adley Rushman has just taken off like we expected. Yeah, yeah. So, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, I wanted I, I went to a lot of minor league games last year where they, they were really starting to enforce a pitch clock and make that a, a point of emphasis to prepare for doing the big leagues this year. It's amazing. Um, you know, there's no two ways about it. I mean, even games that feel like they're dragging, you're still out of there in under three hours. And, and, and there's really – you know, it's not for us. It's not for the people that that would be there anyways. I was talking to some other media members about, you know, the experience of going to a game as a fan and how you just let it wash over you. And all of a sudden it's the sixth inning and you don't really know what happened, but like, we don't care. And, you know, now that can happen to a casual fan in like an hour and a half. It's awesome. Um, as, for, as for the Orioles, I mean, this is going to be a really fun team to watch. You, you, good or bad, um, you know, they're going to build leads early in games. They're going to, they're going to, you know, hit, they're going to run, they're going to press their advantage, and then they're going to go into the bullpen and they're going to have a white knuckle three, four innings. And, and, and sometimes Adley will give Felix Batista a hug at the end. It'll be, a, you know, it's going to be a wild ride, but so far it hasn't been a, a terrible one. Mioli, good to see you. <clears throat> good to see you, brother. Always looking stylish. I want to say the most impressive thing about you, it's not about you covering baseball, is that you're the Loyola University women's hockey coach that's right i remember we randomly used to talk about hockey but that like that's just off topic but opening weekend weekend, obviously much more anticipated than previous opening days i obviously look at social media it looks it looked incredible of what but what what was it like there Gosh, Adam, I mean, you're one of the few people who probably knows what it what it felt like. Um, you know, those those big game atmospheres, you know, the crowd is the into Yankees. it. And the Yankees, exactly. There's a little something extra when it's, you know, when it's Orioles fans there shouting down the Yankee fans. You know, Saturday night, you know, game two, it was the other way around. And, you know, Aaron Judge was getting cheered every time he walked up to the plate. But 
But there are a lot of people, um, you know, who are sitting in the press box around me on Friday who hadn't had that kind of experience, who weren't there for the Delman game. You know, even your opening day when 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 you, when you walked it off in, in what was that, 17? You know, that was like one of those 18. Yeah. One of those experiences where you're just like, this is what it should be like. There's there, you know, there might have been three, four games in, in this, you know, in that stadium you know, in the last four years combined. And and to have that on opening day, to have it go as well as it did, you know, it almost didn't go well, um, which is going to be kind of their MO this year. But but all the ingredients for that to continue happening are there. There's players that people can get themselves attached to. Um, there's going to be a fun brand of baseball. They're going to be doing things, you know, the right, quote unquote, the right way. So you, you really like – it's one of those feelings that, you know, when you've experienced it, you know, Jerry's been there for it. Um, and I hope for the players sake that they get to experience it more often. So you've, you've hinted on it that obviously a lot of these guys have worked in the minor leagues, you know, in the last few years, you went to a lot of minor leagues games and you've seen how the new rules, obviously a lot of guys in the minor leagues, they, they were sped up. It's only got, I think, affect the veterans as much. Yeah. Uh, how is that going to help and hurt? The Orioles. Obviously, a lot is going to help. But you got four and a half inches. We talked about that. Four and a half inches helps in a lot of things in life. How's that going to help? How's that going to help and hurt on the baseball field? Because you're going to give and you have to take. That's just how the game works. Um, I, I think it's really going to help in how they. You know, Brandon Hyde had said last weekend that they didn't steal any bases because of the new rules. You know, we can buy or sell that for whatever we feel like it's it's worth. But the reality is, they have good base stealers. There's going to be an advantage in doing that. Um, I think that. I think that in a lot of ways on the defensive side, we're talking about this, you know, the new steel rules and everything going on with that, you know, they have a catcher in Adley Rushman who is, you know, built throughout runners, no matter what kind of advantage they have. And they've never been in a position to be able to be like, have a pitcher who's like, well, your stuff is so good and you're so good. You don't have to worry about holding runners. Like these pitchers come up knowing they need to be quick to the plate, knowing they need to do this. Um, they never really had the, the luxury of being able to uh, ignore that and avoid it. So I feel like, I feel like, they're going to, they're like on the, you know, when they're not batting, I feel like they're going to be well equipped for it. I think they made some moves in the off season based on, you know, left-handed hitters who can benefit from the shift. I know Adam Frazier, I know he had one on opening day that snuck through the right side that would have been an out, but um, I think they believe there's going to be some real benefit for him there. And I mean, truthfully, this is geared towards being a left-handed hitting team in a lot of ways with what they did for the, with the wall. And now, you know, the, the right side of the field being opened back up for the shift. Um, I think they have the defenders to defend the shift well, whoever's at second base, whether it's Adam Frazier, Ramon Urias, uh, Jorge Mateo can cover a lot of ground coming in shortstop. So I think that they're pretty well set up for it. But, but um, yeah, I think they're really well set up for it. <laughs> well, I know that you mentioned you covered a lot of the minor league games. And one of the things that may be next and, Again, this is a David Dopkin question. So there you go, Dopkin. I got another question in for you. Uh, these robotic umpires that are being used at the minor league level, how long till we see them in the majors, John? Gosh, I don't know. I'm sure Brandon Hyde and Cedric Mullins would say, you know, yesterday would have been nice. <laughs> um, I don't have a ton of experience with those, to be perfectly honest. They're kind of working their way up. I'm sure there's some kinks to it. Um, but, you know, you even see in, like, minor league spring training games over at the backfields at Twin Lakes, you know, they're calling balls and strikes off the track man computer. You know, no one really complains. They live with it. Um, I don't know how that's going to play on television. I don't know how that experience is going to go, um, you know, when there are actual high stakes. I mean, anyone who watches a game knows that their whole experience is impacted by whether, you know, the strike zone that's imposed on the television 
matches what the umpire is calling. Um, you know, any game where that doesn't match up well is a terrible game, and and you know that has a big influence on it. If that gets taken out, maybe people enjoy watching the game more. But I think it's probably still a few years away. It doesn't seem like something that there's a lot of urgency for. And and most importantly, as you've seen with replay in all sports, really like instituting it is one thing, but having it be right or as right as possible from the jump is probably more important. So, so if I'm, if I'm major league baseball, I'm probably focusing on that. Hey, hold that thought, John. We have more ahead with the banners Orioles beat writer, John Mioli, but first our dedicated sponsors have something to tell you. Brought to you by the locally owned and operated Miss Shirley's Cafe, an award-winning breakfast, brunch, and lunch restaurant with three locations in Maryland. Miss Shirley's has been featured on Food Network's Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, and Triple D Nation, as well as Travel Channel's Food Paradise. Miss Shirley's Cafe has also been named Maryland's favorite restaurant by the Restaurant Association of Maryland. Visit Miss Shirley's Cafe in Roland Park, Inner Harbor, and Annapolis. Go to MissShirley's.com. Also by BMW of Towson, home of the best service department in all of Baltimore. That's BMW of Towson, easily located just off York Road and exit 26A on 695. BMW of Towson, very customer friendly. By Be More Around Town, which is now booking for their hashtag orange road trips to Atlanta, Wrigley Field, San Francisco, which includes a pit stop in Napa Valley, and Yankee Stadium, among others. Learn more now at BeMoreAroundTown.com. By the very respected folks at the Weinman Company. By Jack Daniels, two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, the number one cocktail in the world, is now available in a can. Yes, it's true. Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey mixed with Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar are now both available in a can. Two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, ready to drink? Please drink responsibly. Whiskey specialty, 7% alcohol by volume. Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey, Lynchburg, Tennessee. By G-Leaf Medical Cannabis Company. Visit gleaf.com. gleaf.com offers free delivery. Medical cannabis is for Maryland patients only. And the Baltimore Banner. The Banner is offering six months of unlimited digital access for only a dollar. To get started, visit thebaltimorebanner.com slash AJ. And now let's get back into it with John Mioli from the Baltimore Banner Talking Birds. All right, I do have to ask you about this new trend. It was the Homer chain last year. Now it looks like a beer bong. They're calling it the Homer beer funnel or Homer hose. Whose idea was this, John? And are they sanitizing this thing? Because to me, it's disgusting that you put your lips around something like that. Adley, after Ryan Mountcastle, after Cedric, after the Bat Boy, after who knows who. Yeah, can you yeah. imagine doing this during the COVID era? I can't. We've, we've come a long way. Uh, I'm not sure in which direction, whether that's good or bad, but we've come a long way. Um, I, I, hand up, I didn't you know get to read any of the stories from last night. I wasn't at the ballpark to know whose idea it was. I hope they sanitize it. Um, that's the first thought I had. Um, and, and it's just kind of like broadly cool. I don't know. I, I mean, Adam, you, you played for Buck, and Buck would always you know tell us, and I'm sure he'd tell you guys too, that like, you know, he would look down the dugout because you guys are of a different generation. And if, if you guys got upset about something then he would get upset. And if you guys were okay with something, you know, he would be cool with it. I think it's just kind of the way the game is going now. I don't know. I don't know if like the 2014, you know, vintage Orioles would have, would have been, would have been gassing water bottles out of, out of a beer funnel, but, but, but there was probably some other fun things. You guys had the pies and, and, and you know, this is just kind of an in-game version of that, right? 100%. You gotta, you gotta have some fun. You, you have to have, your personalities. These are these are young kids. They're not young kids. These are grown men who are in their under twenty five, who are living their dreams, having a great time, letting their hair flow. Are you kidding me? They that's they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do, and that's what Major League Baseball needs to see is having fun. Obviously, you want to do the Savannah Bananas. You don't want to take it that far, but you want to have some fun. But I would you drink you from that hose, AJ? 
uh, I'd put it up a little bit. You know what I mean? But if, <laughs> if I'm, Yaya, of course, man. I'm, I'm a team guy. You know what I mean? I'm a team guy. Um, obviously, is a big problem with a plethora of prospects. I was a former number one prospect in the organization and, you know, worked my way up to that and played with tons of guys, but prospects. This is a great problem to have. But will you think you think – I mean, exactly, no, no, it's a great problem to have. That's really what it is. Explain that. Explain what a great problem to have means because most people hate a great and a problem don't ever go together. Yeah. Yeah. So, so at this point, you know, the Orioles have their Adley Rutschmans and their Gunnar Hendersons who when they deem – that they're ready for the big leagues. They call them up and, and they're in the lineup every day, batting fifth, batting sixth, and, and that's just kind of, you know, that's just kind of their path. Um, you know, Kyle Stowers, who made the majors last year, made the opening day roster, uh, was sent down to the minors this weekend. It's kind of an early sign that, you know, it's not going to be like that for everybody. And I think that's going to be where this is really challenging. For so long, anyone who, who decided they still wanted to care about the Orioles as they're losing 100-some games each year, did so, you know, on the on the promise that yeah, there's these guys on the major league team I like. I like Trey Mancini. I like Brian Mountcastle, Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes. Those are my guys. I like watching them play on my television every night. But also, there's all these guys in Bowie, in Norfolk, in Aberdeen, who are coming up, who they've drafted and are doing a good job of developing. And those guys are going to be the future. And I think there's, you know, I'm certainly, you know, guilty of this to the extent one can be guilty of, you know, something like this. You kind of get the sense that these players are are better than the ones that are there and are going to just slot right in. And all of a sudden, once they hit some magic benchmark and, in, in, you know, in Omar, the Orioles computer system, they're going to be called up to the big leagues and the guy who's playing left field is going to go somewhere else. And the guy who gets called up from Norfolk is going to go play left field. And all of a sudden, you know, once these players hit this magic benchmark, they're big leaguers, they're big league regulars, and, and all as well. Uh, Kyle Stowers kind of showed that's not really how it's going to go. Um, you know, he there was no, there truthfully wasn't a place to put him with Anthony Santander, Austin Hayes um, in, in the corner outfield mix, and Taryn Vavra uh, in, in the coaching staff's eyes, seemingly giving them a little better at bat. So you have guys like Jordan Westberg, who are pretty much at the same stage as Kyle Stowers is. You know, you get to like 500 AAA at bats, like nobody's ever done learning, but you know, like at some point you're, yeah, you need to be challenged. This is an organization that challenges people. You know, they have like a. It seems like they have like a two hundred plate appearance, two fifty plate appearance like benchmark at, at, in high A to get a guy to double A. Like, all right, just get this guy up here. Like, let's move this guy along. And all of a sudden, you get to a point in, in Norfolk where it's like, all right, you know, let's get this guy to the big leagues. So there's going to be a lot of guys this year who are in that kind of no man's land where getting regular at bats in Norfolk isn't the best thing for them, but it's the best thing for the Orioles. And and it's going to be fascinating to see how they manage that. So to that. If they're right, if they're at it, if they're at it at the All Star break, if they're at it at the trade deadline, are they moving some of these guys to go get pieces that aren't coming there in free agency? Like I said, the guys that I want to go out there and get is two of them. Go out and just get Corbin Burns and Woodruff. I believe you have yeah. this year and next year of those guys. I believe. I think maybe Woodruff is a year earlier, maybe. But go get Corbin Burns. You can get him. You can you can get him with the prospects. You know what I mean? Especially he's disgruntled. Do you yeah, think they have is. the resources? <laughs> do you think they have the resources to do that, John? Like that's what I'm saying. Like, will they move yes. some people? I was part of a trade. The Mariners had a lot of prospects. And there's and Carlos Gomez. Me and him were a couple weeks ago at the WBC was talking about the trades that goes down. And some of these prospects that that just has that's how it goes. And Elias has been has done that. Look how he got Verlander. Yeah, yeah, and and, and you know, it's it's two different questions. Do they have the prospects to go out and trade for probably? anyone like yeah they do do they want to trade their top five prospects for a player like absolutely not they will never do that um and, and 
it, it's come back to me through various channels outside the organization that, you know, the Orioles value, you know, their players pretty highly as, as they should. They think that they're good. I think that they think, I think that they believe it, that they will be even more valuable in a couple months when they have, you know, extended AAA performance when they're putting up numbers there, when some of the, the questions about their developments are, are answered a little bit. Um, so, so, so like I said, there's two answers to the question. Do they have the prospects to go out and get literally anyone? Probably. Yeah. If you want to send Grayson Rodriguez and Jackson holiday and, and DL hall to Milwaukee, if that's what they asked for, and you want to do that, like, sure. They could do that. Are they ever going to do that? I, I wouldn't think so. Um, I, was but, one draft. I was a number one prospect traded. Yeah. <laughs> but what was the situation? And, what was the and situation? I, don't think, I was, I don't think, but darn, I was a number one prospect traded. I'm just saying. Different time. And do you think that they would look I'm at just saying. Adam, hand up. Do you think they would look at that and say, oh, Seattle like made a good deal there? That's what that's why they won't at do the, it. At the time, I believe it was a good deal because Bedard came off back to back 200 strikeout years and added Felix Hernandez coming into his own at that time. They and we finished second in the American League in uh, 07. They yeah. think that they thought that Bedard would have flipped that and went over that bump. Orioles won saying. the trade. I'm just saying, oh duh. Yeah. I'm, just I'm, just, I'm just pacifying you. I'm just saying. It's, no, it's because of George Cheryl. <laughs> yes, that, that, that put him over the top for sure. No doubt about it. It's the only other guy I remember. Uh, but what were you saying about the resources in terms of uh, pulling the trigger? I, I, you know, I don't know if they're willing to give away that type of talent. I, I don't think the fan base, AJ, would react too well to that either, at, at John. Yeah, I mean – it's about it's it's a balance. They, I don't know that they would be willing to do something like that. I do think they have the ability to, but it's really about what they need. Uh, if this team is is hovering around five hundred and the Rays are, I don't know, a hundred and fifteen <laughs> at that point, like they're eighty five games over five hundred, and you're fighting for a couple wild card spots, that calculus changes because you know you're you're making you're trying to chase fewer spots. If this division's really clumped up, and five starts, six starts, seven starts can make a difference, and you have that player for longer. You, you do it, but but I think that I think that they're going to be pretty strict about you know their valuations of these players being met. If you have 500, 600, God forbid, 700 AAA plate appearances, if you're like a Kyle Stowers or a Jordan Westberg, like, and those are good, there's a projection system in that warehouse that says you're going to be a good major leaguer, and the Orioles are going to abide by that as much as they're going to abide by, um, you know, the valuation of, a, of an outside player. So it's going to be a balance, but it really depends on where they're going to be. All right, last question for you before we let you go. Do you have a story about covering Adam Jones? And you can tell it's an uncensored podcast. I want a bad one where things went really awful. I don't think we ever had a moment like that where it was really awful. Um, Darn. No, I, I know. I enjoyed, you know, it was a tough time, I'm sure, for you, Adam. I enjoyed your unfiltered commentary throughout like the end of the 2018 season about about the players who were playing instead of you and 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 the circumstance that you found yourself in uh i remember we were sitting in kansas city one morning and like, you just looked across the room you're like they might as well be putting you out there in left field over me <laughs> like, that's basically what they're doing right now you just got to get in the weight room and they'd probably do it <laughs> And it was, uh, it was really, really, it was really, really, uh, it was really funny. I felt, you know, you were, you were handling it well. You weren't being like, yeah. you know, a malcontent. You were, you yeah. were just being funny about it. Um, but you know, most of the experiences, truthfully, about like covering Adam is like when you have a player who, who can be um, as, 
God, I don't want to sound like I'm gassing you up, but like you can be very thoughtful about a lot of things. Um, you were a prominent black athlete in the city um, that that needed that voice, and you used it well. And people, when I worked at the Baltimore Sun, um, I think the, the thought was that you you would just do that anytime anyone asked <laughs> or anytime anyone was interested in having that conversation. And like that was hard for me to communicate, like up the chain that like we can't just go to Adam like all the time and say like, Hey, you know, Adam, can we talk about like, it's the first anniversary of the no stadium game. It's the second anniversary of the no stadium game. It's the fifth anniversary. Of the, can we just do this every year? And can you also yeah. come on all these other things? I mean, between that and, and just like, as you, your time went on, you were the guy that was there, you know, there weren't a lot of other veterans who were either healthy or, or available to kind of speak to things falling apart. So, you know, the, the problem with covering Adam Jones was, was that like, there was only so much Adam Jones that Adam Jones was willing to, to spread around to, to the world. So like you kind of had to pick your spots and, and, you know, that's how this, that's how this business works. That's how, you know, I truthfully, I walk around the Orioles clubhouse now and all these young guys are, are willing to you know talk to everyone and do everything. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, this is going to look different in five years. Like this is going to look a lot different in five years. Not because uh, oh, it'll change it. people, not because it'll change people or be any worse. They'll just be like, no, I'm not going to talk to you before every single game. Like, I'm not going to yeah. just be here. Like, it's cool now, but it ain't cool. It's not going to be cool when when they're five time all stars or whatever. Yeah, and like, that that's just part of, that's yeah, that's just what you have that. to deal with. But I'm address no that complaint. a little later in the podcast. The fact that there are some very too much for my taste, respectable guys in that clubhouse that will <laughs> stand up as you approach their locker, and it's like, where am I? You know, <laughs> yeah, sit down. Right. Put on, keep putting on your shoes. We're just talking about nonsense here. Exactly. Hey, John, appreciate you coming on. Uh, Always a pleasure to talk baseball with you. We'll do it again this summer. And thanks for being a part of the banner as well. We we love having you as a colleague. Thank you, brother. Thanks a lot. This was fun. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right. Talk to you soon. There he goes, John Mioli. And of course, very analytical. I I remember him covering you. uh, Mm -hmm. Always had very thoughtful questions and sees the game differently than a lot of these writers especially a hack like Dan Conley. Sorry, Dan, had to take no. <laughs> All right, let's move on from our featured guest, Adam, and talk some baseball, specifically the Orioles. And, you know, we were talking off the podcast about we're 10, 15 games into the season right now, a lot of analyzing being done. And to me, sometimes it's overanalyzing where people look at it like it's a football season. It's the longest of seasons, 162. I don't need to explain that to you. So it's too much made of this microcosm. Well, yes and no. Um, obviously, yes. Uh, if you, I, I believe if you get off to a 500 start throughout the first 10, 15 games, good, that, I believe that I consider that a good start. Everybody just came off spring training. If you do what the Rays are doing right now, 10 and 0, beating everybody, people are going to be like, hey, can they sustain this? Obviously not. But that's a hell of a start, and that's a huge push going forward. Now, if you start off at one and nine, two and eight, or something like that, below five hundred, going on, it's still going to be an uphill battle. A saying that uh, I forgot who told me this, but you said you can't win the division in April, but you sure as hell could lose it. Yeah. So it's always good to get off to a, just a media, just a, a mediocre start. I guess that's a five hundred start going off to the first 10, 15 games. And then we obviously get our second wind of, of the soreness is out of the regular season because spring training is skin. No one's getting that craziness, that soreness that comes in April. So like what the Rays are doing, that's not sustainable. They're going to come to earth just like what the Yankees did last year. But the teams that start off really, really slow, it's still going to be an uphill battle because the good teams are, are the teams that started normal. 
and but are still considered the good teams, they're going to just do what they normally do over time. So, and then it's, yeah, that's what I got. <laughs> now, when did you start paying attention to the standings when you were playing? When did you so start looking told, at them? I always told everybody, I was like, look, call me June 1st. Like, meet me at my locker June 1st. That's when I can give you a, a solid answer. Through That's going to be through 55, 60 games. If we don't have an identity at that point, it's either going to be – I've been on teams that we were – 20 and 40 and I've been on teams that we were 40 and 20 and everything in between. So when you, when you meet me at June 1st, I can give you a solid answer on what the identity of this team is until then. It's like, I'm not going to go every single day of ups and downs. I'm not going to ride that roller coaster because that's going to stress me out. That's going to stress everybody out. So I just took it. Give me two months, give me 60 games. Let us just put our heads down and, and, and just play for a little bit. Yeah, we've seen different outcomes. I remember what it was, the Detroit Tigers back in 84. They started out something like 35-5 and five in that range, went on to win the World Series with Sparky Anderson. But then a couple of years ago, the Braves, they got off to a terrible start and then turned it on. The Nationals, same type of thing, where they turned it on for their world championship. The Nationals, 19-31. and 31. We were, It was 2019 because I was with the Diamondbacks. We beat them on a Sunday. And I'm like, I remember going back to the plane. I'm like, how the hell is this team – so bad right now like how are they so bad and i guess they must have heard me they must have had a mic on me or something because i'm on did you get a ring did you get a ring sent to you later i wish i did but i was like why is the team so bad it's like the most talented team in baseball like if you go by on the roster they're the most talented team at that point and with the pitching staff you're like but from that point on they turned it on but that's true again that's a long stretch and they had to turn it really really on and get in they snuck into the playoffs that's what i think uh, happens a lot now, but it's still really, really hard to do because teams gain their strength as they, you know, progress throughout the season. Now, as far as this left field wall, it's been moved back for over a year, yet every time I'm watching a game, I hear an announcer talk about the dimensions and how they still have to get used to them, and that would have been a home run at the old Camden Yards, and oh, yeah. your reaction is like, too late. I mean, it is what it is to take one of the old tired phrases out there, but there's nothing you can do about it. They moved, it harder. they moved it back and they, hey, the, there's a rule of thumb, hit it over the wall. You know, and you, you get, you get guys like, you know, Millard, I remember Millard, I'd be, you know, cause my young swing was big time going to the big part of the field. And he's like, Hey, you young, I mean, there's more home runs over here. Like this is way shorter than trying to do it over there. Like, why don't you hit it over here? The shorter part. And you know, it's just, you got to hit it over the wall. And I look at highlights of myself with my kids watching something and I'm like, and I look at the wall now, I'm like, I'll pimp that. That wouldn't have been out. That might have, that might have just hit the wall. But it, I don't live in the Midas. My, I got mine. Mine is there. So uh, it's kind of good because if, you know, if a Mountcastle was there for plenty of years, he's going to have to get majority of his home runs on the road. So hopefully my home run record at Camden is safe. You know what I mean? And uh, I think it will so, be. Yeah, would they moved it back unless they just bring in some big lefty who just you know sweeps it out there all day? But uh, yeah, it's it's a challenge. But it, but what is has happened? What it's improved the Orioles pitching. Um, the left fielder obviously Hayes plays left field majority of the time there. Who could I mean he plays right on the road a lot, but he can cover so much ground. He has a terrific arm, so he can make up a lot of ground. And it takes two hits to get it out of there. Again, Judge and Stanton they hit the ball out of Mount Rushmore, it doesn't matter the Grand Canyon. But with other guys, it takes a double, then which you'll be a double, and then it takes another hit. Previously, you can get a cheap home run out there. There's no more cheapies, unless you go directly down the line, and who's the artist like that? 
Yeah. Well, Adley's been utilizing that right field porch in Utah Street very well so far. And I saw Gunnar Henderson, speaking of a guy that we've had on the podcast, I got to tell you, I was embarrassed to meet Gunnar Henderson because I approach him. He stands up, which most athletes don't do when you approach their locker. You used to do that at times, I think I remember. But they're, back in the old days when I started covering baseball, the athletes would just sit there as you asked them questions. Not only does he stand up, but it's yes, sir, no, sir, thank you, sir. And I said, please stop calling me sir. I understand I could be your dad, but it makes me uncomfortable. But it's nice to see the respect sometimes that the media is given by a baseball player because they say baseball players are the toughest to deal with. They have that reputation, Adam. And my defense for that is you guys face the media more than anyone. 100%. We see you every single day. If we had to talk to you once a week, it'd be very easy. Super easy to talk to you once a week. That'd be the easiest thing. But no, he's, that's a Southern boy right there. You know, his parents taught him well, taught him some manners. And it, my parents told me the same thing. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. I mean, uh, yeah, I say no, sir. Ah, yes, sir. I say no, sir. Uh, but no, it, it's just it's just the proper way. It's quick. It's easy. It's, it's professional. Um, you know, obviously when players get frustrated, you know, it's no jackass. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, I mean, it, it's just a, it's just being a professional. Absolutely. Look forward to having him on again. And maybe one of these days we'll have the newest Raven on this podcast, Odell Ooh. Beckham Jr. Bring in. I, 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 my wife said something about that. She was like, you want to have him on your podcast? I'm like, man, everybody needs to, everybody's talking about what kind of list they want to get on this podcast. Okay. Just put in a, put, put in requests and tweet me and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Please, <laughs> everybody got a damn opinion, but I would love to have Odell Beckham. Well, they we, say. I, I, we would both love to have him on, but I tweeted sure. out, it's a tradition unlike any other, was Masters weekend. The Ravens bringing in a veteran wide receiver sort of at the end of his career. Now, Anquan <laughs> Bolden had something left in the tank. They didn't want to pay him. Steve right. Smith was near the end, senior. Derek Mason, same type of thing. Torrey Smith right. is the guy they drafted, so I don't look at him in that way. But Odell should be able to help this team. The question is, I'm confused because Lamar requested a trade, then showed up with him on Instagram how do you see this playing out? Because to me, my opinion before I ask for yours is it's a one-year run for this team, for these two guys. One year. Well, I mean, obviously you got to – he had other interests and other options. Um, I, I'm sure that this was the largest amount of money. Uh, and he gets to, Yeah, and he gets to play with a terrific quarterback possibly. But he also is still pretty young. I'd say he was 31 I believe 30, 31. Something like that. He just hasn't been the same right. since his Giants days. Yeah. But he but he sat out. He he was able to sit out and get 100% healthy. Yep. So I believe, I haven't seen him work out. I don't know him personally. I believe that he probably is regained explosiveness and is probably ready and poised for a really good season because he was able to sit out and not get hit last year. He got he, Receivers get hit, get smacked around. He, been, he got to heal. And, you know, I mean, he got to heal. And I think that he's going to have a good year. I think he's it, 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 everything is based on health and sports. doesn't matter what I say, I, I predict. doesn't matter any of that. All that matters is health. If he's healthy, I think that he's going to have a hell of a year with Lamar because of the, the dynamicness of running routes and just eluding pockets and stuff like that. One thing Odell Beckham does is he improvises, which Lamar Jackson, that's his greatest attribute to me. Those two together can have some fun, and you you add other receivers, they can they can have some fun. But it all depends on health and if Lamar is actually going to be there. Well, we'll get to that. But according to the Adam <laughs> Jones Research Department, Odell Beckham Jr. is thirty years old. So there you go. Still got something left in the tank. No doubt about it. My question is, 
sort of a business one with Lamar. He put it out there that he wants a trade. Then he posts the picture with Odell. That kind of hurts his bargaining power in a way, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. I mean, these are, these, these are friends. They're friends. He's, as of right now, he's still currently on the roster, correct? Uh, he is not under contract yeah. right now. So okay. if another team approached he's, him as we're right, speaking. But he's, still, but he's still on the roster. I, I, I agree. Okay, you know what I mean? Quote, unquote. Yes. Right. All right, let's get in the rocket ship and travel beyond Baltimore. It is NBA playoff time. We talked about baseball, the regular season being the longest season. This is the longest of postseasons. It began with the loser's bracket, as I call it, the play-in games. But for me, not a good look for the NBA's image, AJ. And the NBA right there with the NFL, two of my favorite sports. Baseball's right up there as well. Not a good look when you have teams not trying to win at the end of the season, tanking for the big Vic, who's uh, considered, you know, a once-in-a-generation type player. But Dallas... Wow, they reached a new low. That's not the first time it's happened with Mark Cuban. They certainly weren't trying to win their last two games. They ticked off some of their superstar players. And then they, before that, traded for Kyrie Irving. So why would you trade for Kyrie and tank at the end? Yeah, I don't, I don't get that about, I don't get that. I don't get it. Like, I don't get it. Now, if you're, they said, if you, you know, for five games out, we got no shot. Okay. Rest the guys, get other guys, let them get some burn. You know, I don't, I don't get that. I don't respect that. I'm sure the players don't respect that because the only object is to win. And gambling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not forget the so, gambling aspect as yeah, well. And gambling aspect, yeah, exactly. When it, it, people got in trouble because, you know, they took things. I was told the first thing I was told in Japan, don't accept nothing. Really? Nothing. Don't accept, don't accept a free dinner. Don't accept, unless it's team organized, unless an individual, don't accept anything. And he's like, why? I said, Yakuza. And I'm like, what? It was like, you think that stuff is, you, you hear about it, you read about it? No, no, no. Don't accept anything. I'm like, all right, cool. Pay for your own stuff. I'm fine with that. Never had that talk in the major leagues to the yeah. degree that you did in Japan, or was it? Oh, 100%. We had, okay. um, oh, what's his name? Mike, uh, Michael Francis. We had him in our clubhouse. Former, former mafia guy, right? There you go. We had him in our clubhouse in 2004 when I was with the Mariners, my very first spring training. Scared me, Liz. I'm like, gotcha. <laughs> All right. Gotcha. With that with that being said, let's move on to our NBA postseason predictions. Uh, I will give mine first, who I see going to the championship round and winning it yeah. all. I've got Milwaukee from the east. I think they outlast Boston. And then I got Golden State outlasting Phoenix as Kevin Durant takes on his former team. And then I have... Milwaukee winning the world championship this year. I'm going with the Bucs. I think a lot of people now, sleep on the Bucs and Giannis. I mean, I mean, no one's sleeping on Giannis. Um, I got them still coming out the out the East. You do? Okay. Yeah, overall, when you win the seven-game series, overall, you're not going to stop them. But they, it, it depends on health. You know what I mean? And Middleton is the factor. Yeah. Not Giannis. Giannis is, does what he's going to get, 40. 20 and you know what I mean? Middleton is the factor because he can ball and he can easily drop 30. I got I got the Lakers coming out the West, not because of my love for them. Come on, I, man. Are we on. gonna make another no, bet? No, 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 no. Not because of my love for them, but because they have played the best since the trade deadline. And if they're healthy in a seven-game series while playing the best cohesively with D'Angelo Russell, running the point, they're very, very strong team. And I got them. 
I don't know if they're going to meet. I didn't look at the brackets, but I got them going to I got them going to the finals. If healthy and AD is the X factor. All right, let's put a bow and tie on the podcast with our edition of Socially Speaking. This is where we answer a tweet or social media post, and you qualify for a Miss Shirley's gift card. We gave away two last week, thanks to our friends at Miss Shirley's. All you have to do is rate the podcast, five stars preferably. That'll get you to the front of the line. And calm. So this week, we got this correspondence and a like from Alan Robinson. On your podcast, you could bring a guest to talk about base running. I've seen a lot of batters unsuccessfully trying to stretch singles into doubles or doubles into triples. Daniel Vogelback just did this for the Mets, and I'm not sure why he looks so bad. What do you think about that? I mean, hey, I think that I think now a lot of people <clears throat> want to hear. It's easy to hear the athlete's perspective. We get we they have a lot of that now. Um, a lot of people want to understand the behind the scenes and why it, of the major leagues now. Why's the why's, and I get that they want to understand the nerdy side of the game. Because it's it's so important now. It's every single thing is is out there. When they when Vogelback did that, they probably had his sprint speed and the curve and the angles and everything on why he shouldn't have ran. Um, so I I understand that and I, I appreciate that because I do know some guys on the analytical side that can explain that and explain the why because you know the whys and hows. I always ask I always ask my tell my kids ask people how and you know why. Understood. All right. Well. Mm-hmm. We appreciate that. Hopefully that answers your question. Again, you can reach us at the Adam Jones pod on social media or email us the Adam Jones pod at gmail.com. We'll answer another question next week. And again, you qualify for that Miss Shirley's gift card. And speaking of Miss Shirley's, let's thank our loyal sponsors. Brought to you by the locally owned and operated Miss Shirley's Cafe, an award-winning breakfast, brunch, and lunch restaurant with three locations in Maryland. Miss Shirley's has been featured on Food Network's Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, and Triple D Nation, as well as Travel Channel's Food Paradise. Miss Shirley's Cafe has also been named Maryland's favorite restaurant by the Restaurant Association of Maryland. Visit Miss Shirley's Cafe in Roland Park, Inner Harbor, and Annapolis. Go to MissShirley's.com. Also by BMW of Towson, home of the best service department in all of Baltimore. That's BMW of Towson, easily located just off York Road and exit 26A on 695. BMW of Towson, very customer friendly. By Be More Around Town, which is now booking for their hashtag orange road trips to Atlanta, Wrigley Field, San Francisco, which includes a pit stop in Napa Valley, and Yankee Stadium, among others. Learn more now at BeMoreAroundTown.com. By the very respected folks at the Weinman Company. By Jack Daniels, two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, the number one cocktail in the world, is now available in a can. Yes, it's true. Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey mixed with Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar are now both available in a can. Two legends, one can. Jack and Coke, ready to drink? Please drink responsibly. Whiskey specialty, 7% alcohol by volume. Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey, Lynchburg, Tennessee. By G-Leaf Medical Cannabis Company. Visit gleaf.com. gleaf.com offers free delivery. Medical cannabis is for Maryland patients only. And the Baltimore Banner. The Banner is offering six months of unlimited digital access for only a dollar. To get started, visit thebaltimorebanner.com slash AJ. Also, thanks to senior executive producer Chip Franklin for putting this episode together. He's a lot healthier this week. Thankfully, we're all grateful for that. Go out and subscribe to the Baltimore Banner. Be real, be kind, and be back here next week for another episode of the Adam Jones Podcast.